Hey guys, so recently I was listening to Jordan Peterson's conversation with Bishop Barron, and they were talking about science and religion, and um, something that they talked about that I wanted to really dig into today is the differences in the overlap between evolutionary morality and Christian morality. There's often thought to be this huge rift between uh, the scientific worldview and the religious worldview. And something that Bishop Barron pointed out in that conversation is that the scientific method is about 500 years old. And so the biblical uh, stories and the biblical uh, ideas are much older than that. So um, they were not preoccupied with being uh, evaluated in a scientific method. And uh, they just completely predate that way of thinking. Um, so anyway, I wanted to get into a few things um, in how they overlap and how they differ. So the first one is, in that conversation, Jordan Peterson talked about something which he's talked about many times, and that is a study was done on rats. And the study showed that when a bigger rat and a smaller rat play, that if the bigger rat does not let the smaller rat win 30% of the time, that the smaller rat will stop playing. And so he used that to illustrate that that showed an emergent morality that even in a life form more primitive than humans, there is some level of morality. And it is certainly thought of by the New Atheist Movement that as we are able to demonstrate that some morality comes naturally, that some morality just is a part of us as a species, that we no longer need God. But I completely disagree with that. Um, and I'm going to go into why Christian morality uh, is different in, in the ways that it's the same. So today I'm going to be reading from C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, and he breaks down the three aspects of Christian morality. There are two ways which the human machine goes wrong. One is when human individuals drift apart or collide with each other and do each other damage by cheating or bullying. The other is when things go wrong inside the individual, when the different parts of him either drift apart or interfere with each other. You can get the idea more plainly if you think of us as a fleet of ships sailing in formation. So this is a really key idea. In this way, he illustrates what Christian morality is as a fleet of ships all working in formation. The voyage will be a success only in the first place if the ships do not collide and get in each other's way. And secondly, if each ship is seaworthy and has her engines in good order. As a matter of fact, you cannot have either of these two things without the other. If the ships keep colliding with each other, they will not remain seaworthy very long. On the other hand, if their steering gears are out of order, they will not be able to avoid collisions. Or if you like, think of humanity as a band playing a tune. To get a good result, you need two things. Each player's individual instrument must be in tune, and each must come in and out at the right moments to combine with all the others. But there is one thing which we have not yet taken into account. We have not asked where the fleet is trying to get to, or what piece of music the band is trying to play. The instruments might all be in tune, and might all come in and out at the right moments. But the performance would not be a success if they had been asked to provide dance music and actually played nothing but dead marches. 
And however well the fleet sailed, its voyage would be a failure if it was meant to reach New York, and it actually arrived in Calcutta. Morality, then, seems to be concerned with three things. First, with fair play and harmony between individuals. So the first aspect of Christian morality and evolutionary morality, if you want to call it that, are the same. This is where there's complete overlap. The idea of fair play, the idea of reciprocation, is evolutionary. This is something that Jonathan Haidt went into in his book, The Happiness Hypothesis. He showed how if your waiter leaves a mint on the check, that on average people will always tip a certain amount more. That deep within us, below even our conscious mind, is this impulse to reciprocate, this impulse for fair play. Um, and that is the aspect of morality, which does not need a religious structure to back it up. That's the part of morality that is natural. So this is the first aspect of morality, but there are two more which are found in Christian morality. Morality then seems to be concerned with three things. Firstly, with fair play and harmony between individuals. Secondly, with what we might call tidying up or harmonizing the things inside each individual. And thirdly, with the general purpose of human life as a whole. What man was made for. What course the whole fleet should be on. What tune the band should be playing. You may have noticed that modern people are nearly always thinking about the first thing and forgetting about the other two. And this is a great point. I remember hearing Joe Rogan talk about Chris Pratt and, uh, and how Chris Pratt was a, was a Christian. And, and Joe Rogan, this is a common thing that atheists say. He was saying, oh, you know, if Christianity was just about, you know, uh, just not hurting other people and just about living a good life, then, you know, I think I could get on board with that. And this is a really common thing that atheists say. It's basically just a non-controversial point. So it's ground that a lot of people uh, stake out. You know, a lot of people will make that point because it doesn't offend them very much. It doesn't offend anyone else very much. It really is just a let's all be happy, get along type of thing. And so a lot of people wish that Christian morality was just that. But there's a reason that it's a lot more than that. You may have noticed that modern people are nearly always thinking about the first thing and forgetting about the other two. When people say in the newspapers that we are striving for Christian moral standards, what they usually mean is that we are striving for kindness and fair play between nations, classes, and individuals. When a man says about something he wants to do, it can't be wrong because it doesn't hurt anyone else. He is thinking only of the first thing. He is thinking it does not matter what his ship is like inside, provided that it does not run into anyone else's ship. And it is quite natural when we start thinking about morality to begin with the first thing, with social relations. For one thing, the results of bad morality in that sphere are so obvious and press on us every day. War, poverty, graft, lies, and shoddy work. And also, as long as you stick to the first thing, there is very little disagreement about morality. Almost all people at all times have agreed that human beings ought to be honest and kind and helpful to one another. But though it is natural to begin with that, if our thinking about morality stops there, we might just as well not have started. Unless we go on to the second thing, the tidying up inside each human being, we are only deceiving ourselves. What is the good of telling the ships how to steer to avoid collision 
if in fact they are such crazy old ships that they cannot be steered at all? And what is the good of drawing up on paper rules for societal behavior if we know that, in fact, our greed, cowardice, ill-temper, and self-conceit are going to prevent us from keeping them? I do not mean for a moment that we ought not to think and think hard about improving our society. What I do mean is that all that thinking will be nothing unless we realize that nothing but courage and unselfishness of individuals is ever going to make any system work properly. It is easy enough to remove the particular kinds of graft and bullying that go on under the present system, but as long as men are twisters or bullies, they will always find a new way of carrying on the old game under the new system. And this is a huge point with the world we live in today. It seems like all the people with the loudest voices are telling us that we need to change society from the outside in. There are so many people today that want to fix the chaos and the pain and the misery that is going on inside their head and inside their heart, but they want to fix it out in the world. And what do you know? It doesn't work, and they stay angry. You cannot make men good by law, and without good men, you cannot have a good society. This is why we must go on to think of the second thing, of the morality inside each individual. But we cannot stop there either. Now this is really the key point. We are now getting to the point at which different beliefs about the universe lead to different behavior. It would seem at first sight very sensible to stop before we got there and just carry on with those parts of morality that all people seem to agree with. But can we? Remember that religion involves a series of statements about facts, which must either be true or false. If they are true, one set of conclusions will follow about the right sailing of the human fleet. And if they are false, quite a different set. For example, let's go back to the man who says that a thing cannot be wrong if it doesn't hurt other people. He quite understands that he must not damage other ships in the convoy, but he constantly thinks that what he does on his own ship is simply his own business. But does it not make a great difference whether his ship is his own property or not? Does it not make a huge difference whether I am, so to speak, the landlord of my own mind and body, or only a tenant responsible to the real landlord? If somebody else made me for his own purposes, then I should have a lot of duties which I would not have if I only belonged to myself. Again, Christianity asserts that every individual human is going to live forever, and this must either be true or false. Now, there are a good many things which would not be worth bothering about if I was only going to live 70 years, but which I should bother about very seriously if I'm going to live forever. Perhaps my bad temper or my jealousy are gradually getting worse, perhaps so gradually that the increase in 70 years will not be very noticeable, but it might be absolute hell in a million years. In fact, if Christianity is true, hell is precisely the correct technical term for what it would be. And immortality makes this one other difference, which by the by has a connection with the difference between totalitarianism and democracy. If individuals live only 70 years, then a state, a nation, or a civilization, which may last a thousand, is more important than the individual.
But if Christianity is true, then the individual is not only more important, but incomparably more important. For he is everlasting, and the life of a state or civilization, compared with his, is only a moment. It seems, then, that when we think about morality, we must think of all three departments. Relations between man and man, things going on inside each man, and relations between man and the power that made him. And this is really the heart of the piece. Atheists do not believe that there is any meaning to our life, that there is any meaning to existence. And as a result, their morality is nothing but don't hurt me and I won't hurt you. But what if there is a meaning to life? What if we are not only our own? What if we were created for something? What if there's somewhere for us to aim our life towards? Is there anything worth dying for? This is what evolutionary morality will never give you. And it was never meant to. This is why we need God. One of my goals with this podcast is to lay out the ways in which the scientific worldview and the religious worldview have great overlap, that they are set out to do different things, but that they complement each other. And so I thought this was a really important piece to show that continuity, that the first aspect of Christian morality and what we might call evolutionary morality are one and the same, but that Christianity takes a much more holistic approach that comes with a story and a structure that gives all of life meaning. It gives the direction in which we dedicate every decision meaning. I love you guys. I hope this has been useful to you.